Chapter Three, Section Six of the Greek View of Life by Goldsworthy Lowes Dickinson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Chapter Three, Section Six The Greek View of Pleasure from all this it follows clearly enough that the greek ideal was far removed from asceticism but it might perhaps be supposed on the other hand that it came dangerously near to license nothing however could be further from the case that there were libertines among the greeks as everywhere else goes without saying but the conception that the greek rule of life was to follow impulse and abandon restraint is a figment of would-be hellenists of our own time the word which best sums up the ideal of the greeks is temperance the mean order harmony as we saw are its characteristic expressions and the self-realization to which they aspired was not an anarchy of passion but an ordered evolution of the natural faculties under the strict control of a balanced mind the point may be illustrated by a reference to the treatment of pleasure in the philosophy of plato and of aristotle the practice of the libertine is to identify pleasure and good in such a manner that he pursues at any moment any pleasure that presents itself eschewing comparison and reflection with all that might tend to check that continuous flow of vivid and fresh sensations which he postulates as the end of life the ideal of the greeks on the contrary as interpreted by their two greatest thinkers while on the one hand it is so far opposed to asceticism that it requires pleasure as an essential complement of good on the other is so far from identifying the two that it recognizes an ordered scale of pleasures and while rejecting altogether those at the lower end admits the rest not as in themselves constituting the good but rather as harmless additions or at most as necessary accompaniments of its operation plato in the republic distinguishes between the necessary and unnecessary pleasures defining the former as those derived from the gratification of appetites which we cannot get rid of and whose satisfaction does us good such for example as the appetite for wholesome food and the latter as those which belong to appetites which we can put away from us by early training and the presence of which besides never does us any good and in some cases does positive harm such for example as the appetite for delicate and luxurious dishes the former he would admit 
the latter he excludes from his ideal of happiness and though in a later dialogue the philebus he goes further than this and would exclude from the perfect life all pleasures except those which he describes as pure that is those which attend upon the contemplation of form and colour and sound or which accompany intellectual activity yet here no doubt he is passing beyond the sphere of the practicable ideal and his distinct personal bias towards asceticism must be discounted if we are to take him as representative of the greek view his general contention however that pleasures must be ranked as higher and as lower and that at the best they are not to be identified with the good is fully accepted by so typical a greek as aristotle aristotle however is careful not to condemn any pleasure that is not definitely harmful even unnecessary pleasures he admits may be desirable in themselves even the deliberate creation of desire with a view to the enjoyment of satisfying it may be admissible if it is not injurious still there are kinds of pleasures which ought not to be pursued and occasions and methods of seeking it which are improper and perverse therefore the reason must always be at hand to check and to control and the ultimate test of true worth in pleasure as in everything else is the trained judgment of the good and sensible man end of chapter three section six Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.